It's a story we're going to get to share for a while. Um, God is good, and I hope that no one was affected by the rain last week. And uh, if you were, let us know. We'd love to see how we can help you in your house. But if you're watching online, keep watching. It's a good place to be here. Um, you know, this is a, uh, it's a good way to start our summer in the Psalms. We are studying this book throughout the majority of June and July. And, and when I think of Psalms, all of them, the place that I usually go is to the Holy Land. I was able to go there a few years ago and also back in 2000. And it, it was an experience both times that changed my life. Um, I was thinking about David whenever he was in the wilderness. You know, there were some places that I got to go. One of them was in Getty. Uh, this is just a small little image of that place, but, but you kind of see the desolate nature of where David spent a lot of his time in, he was leaving and running from Saul. There's not a lot of trees there. You know, as you go up to this little, it's a state park there in, in Israel, but as you go up there, you see there's a little stream, just, just, just a little one. And as you kind of make your way up the path, the stream gets larger and the water becomes more visible and louder until you find yourself in the midst of this little cove where the waterfall is just so high and loud and it's just landing in this beautiful pond pool of water. David was there. And he composed the psalms that we are looking at this summer. He composed those, perhaps even while he was in the midst of this barren and desolate place. One of them, he says, as I was walking up, I remember tripping on... The paths aren't that difficult, but there's rocks everywhere. And I remember kind of slipping on one of these little, little pebbles. And then I looked over and you see these little animals just nimbly going from rock to rock. And I remember David, Psalm 18, when he says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and stations me upon the heights. I started thinking about the Psalms as I was walking up those paths. That, well, Psalm 121.3 when he says, He will not allow your foot to slip. Psalm 37.24, though he stumbles, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. It's a beautiful place, and I'm excited because we're actually planning a trip next year. Um, you have a brochure like this, it's in the back. There's just a couple right now, but there's also one on your app. It's pretty big, it's hard to download, but we'll fix that. But we're going to be doing this next summer. And hopefully, as we read through these Psalms and uh, kind of make our way through this book this summer, that will kind of ignite something in you because there are moments when you're in that desert together as you read these psalms when we realize i realize specifically how dependent i really am on god a lot of times we kind of buy into that facade where we have a lot We've got the clothes and the house and the food. And sometimes we kind of think we can rely on ourselves and we'll be fine. But in, in some moments, as you've all experienced those barren moments of life, you realize all we really have is God. 
hopefully this summer, as we make our way through these, you'll start getting a, hopefully a more personal feeling of just how dependent we really are and how much God really loves us. Let's pray together as we begin our conversation. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for our families, for the children we were able to see this morning, for that sweet girl and her prayer. Lord, thank you for those who have made their way here hoping for a miracle. Those people who have made their way into this room just hoping for somebody to connect with them. Hoping for a hello or a smile or just to know they're not alone. Lord, thank you for those people who who this is their way of life. They come here. This is where they find their comfort and their home is, is with the family of God. Thank you for those people. And those people who have devoted their life to serving others. Thank you for them. Lord, we know that we need you. And even in our best moments, we are, we're still pretty needy. Lord, thank you for loving us. This morning, Lord, I, I just hope that you would speak to us through your word, through the songs that your servants have written. Lord, help us to be reminded just how valuable we are to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we opened up our series and we started looking at the book of Psalm. Um, We looked at some background, how it was kind of compiled, how many books there are in the midst of this book. Um, If you didn't get a chance to see last week, just go on YouTube. You can find it. Um, Our sermon is right there and our whole service is right there on YouTube. You can watch it there. Um, but, but, but Psalm is a songbook that expresses the best and the worst of what it is we have to say. It ranges from our highest highs and from our lowest lows. And it's all there for us. It's all still there for us to read, for us to sing, for us to memorize, even, even to use as a guide to prayer. Some people pray the Psalms and they memorize it. You know, we talked last week about what it means to be amazed by God. And that conversation from last week, it flows so well into this week's conversation, this week's lesson. Um, Thank you, Ben, so much for reading, you know, 103. You know, some psalms really do affect us personally, don't they? That's the same thing it does for me, Psalm 103. so So many phrases in that book I've grown up reading. And then when you start realizing, oh, wow, they're all in the same, same psalm. But then thank you also for not singing it. I appreciate that. Um, but it does happen, to, doesn't it? When you read some of these scriptures, it just kind of hits you in a certain way. I think there are sometimes in our, in our lives, there are, there are moments or there are encounters that we, that, that we have that, that beg a response from us. You know, maybe it's, um, it's, it's a piece of art. I love this one. I don't know what it is about some of Van Gogh's works, but, but I just kind of get lost in them. You know, or, or maybe it's a beautiful piece of architecture. 
If you know the story behind the Taj Mahal and how long ago it was built and the amazing feat it took to do that, it's, it's quite remarkable. And, and this is the most iconic view. But sometimes even architectural marvels require a response. Sometimes it's even a, a beautiful piece of music. Like maybe this one. Okay, maybe, maybe that's not a beautiful piece of music. But I will say that is the most downloaded and listened to piece of music in history. Billions. Come on, y'all are like, y'all, y'all enjoy that, didn't you? Because when you sing that, you just want to do it together, don't you? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to do that. Some things, you know, they do beg other kinds of responses from us. Maybe not, you know, joy or excitement. But when we do encounter something that moves us deeply, something inside of us just has to respond, doesn't it? You know, we kind of sometimes allow ourselves to be wrapped up in a moment, um, however brief of a period of time it is. Sometimes, sometimes it's just silence. It's just awe. Sometimes um, we speak. You know, sometimes we just have to compliment and what I've found is that whenever we do experience something that's really great, we don't want to just experience it alone. We don't want to just talk about it to ourselves. We want to we want to share it. We want to share those things that delight us. There's a theologian named Jamie Smith, and and he has a book. And I just I will say the quote. The book is very simple. It says, "We are what we love." Those things that we love, we tend to to move our lives towards those things. Um, those things that delight us, we kind of gravitate to that. We make room to experience even more of those things that delight us. But, but we aren't content to experience those things alone, really. So we tend to want to share those things with others in hopes that we find maybe a community of people that delight in the same things that we delight in. And I don't even think we realize we're doing it. But we give our praise quite freely these days. The final episode of HBO's Game of Thrones drew about 20 million viewers. And a lot of those people were in pubs and homes and community centers, wherever they could gather to watch it together. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Big Bang Theory, that TV show, hits finale garnered about 18 million people. But neither one of them holds a candle to Seinfeld. <laughs> 75 million people watched the final show of Seinfeld. And a lot of those people did it together too. And do you remember every Friday? Maybe y'all don't. But every Friday, we would talk about the Seinfeld jokes. And we'd want to tell people. And we'd talk about how funny the show was. And every Friday, whatever the Thursday night episode was, they'd talk about it Friday morning. It's the same way with lots of different episodes and lots of different shows. But people give attention to these things, and we tend to, to praise these things because they delight us. They give us enjoyment. C.S. Lewis, a, a theologian and the author of Chronicles of Narnia, said this. He says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise, it not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. 
It's the fulfillment of that joy. It's the expression. It's the praise. And this is why it's irritating whenever we find something that we love that gives us joy, but there's no one around to share it with. And I know not all of us are touchy-feely. I know that. And, and, and we may not be predisposed to verbal expression. But the truth is that praise is a natural response from us to those things that we love. It's very natural. Those things that we enjoy, we typically praise. Those things that give us delight, we praise. And if you don't believe me, then wait for football season. Or wait until you catch something on the lake that is just too good to just keep to yourself. Or wait till your child has achieved some sort of a, you know, athletic amazement moment, right? You're not going to keep that to yourself. Because in those moments, it, whether it's, you know, on the lake or, or in an in arena, a stadium, at your kid's little league game, you're going to see that praise is wild. It's exciting. It's energetic. It's communal. And you'll see that multitudes share joy. They'll share verbal joy. They'll share encouragement. You'll even see the most nonverbal among us. He'll be expressing himself in quite remarkable ways. At times, I would say that we praise with complete abandon, with everything we are, everything that we have, until our voices are hoarse, until we are tired, until we are emotionally drained, until our need to praise has been satisfied. Because this is how we were created. It is the response of our innermost being to something that gives us joy. And that's just a soccer game. Football, sorry. Now, you know the question I'm going to ask right now, probably, is this. What gives you joy? What is it that delights you? I think you'll know the answer whenever you realize what it is that fills your thoughts, that fills your conversation, that fills your time, that fills your energy. Because our mind will drift towards those things that we love. Even right now, several of you are drifting to something else. I, I can see it. I'm not blind. <laughs> it's okay. Maybe you'll hear a word or two. I'm, I'm good with that. Spirit can do a lot with a little. You're, you'll find your thoughts and your conversations are going to be drifting towards those things that you really love. And whenever you discover the answer of what it is that really delights you, what it is that you really love, you'll probably find that you're, very, you're, you're quite free with praise about that thing. And that's not bad. I'm not criticizing because we are beings who praise. But what is it exactly that we're praising? In Psalm 1, the author, the composer of this song, he says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. In Psalm 37, um, David tells us to delight in the Lord. And in Psalm 103, David tells us why we should begin to delight in God. In your app, there's the New Living Translation under the notes section. And this is the translation that I wanted to read from. Psalm 103, he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. 
with my whole heart. I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He has done for me. You know, as I'm preparing for this, I'm, the question's in my mind. Do I praise God with my whole heart? With my whole life? With everything that I am? Do we do that when we're here? Do we praise God with all that we are when we're here? Do we leave here on a Sunday morning tired, hoarse? Because we've just been so into it. And now I'm not saying we should all go crazy like they did at that soccer match. But there have been moments when we've been more tired than others because we've been more in it than others. But I wonder, when we leave here on a Sunday, do we feel closer to one another because of what we've experienced? I mean, when we're at a Texans game or a Cowboys game or a Rangers game or, you know, God love the Astros game, we're high-fiving people we've never met before. And if you have season tickets to one of these, you know the people in your section. I'm not going to ask if we know them more than we know people here in our section. I won't ask that. But here on a Sunday, do we feel closer to one another when we leave? Do we feel like we just had an experience together? Maybe some of us do. I mean, I, I do. Some days more than others. But I think maybe if, if we haven't, if we're not, if we're just leaving, I wonder if it's because we aren't praising God with everything we are. And maybe the reason we aren't praising God with everything we are is because we've forgotten what He has actually done for us. I have to remind myself, we are flawed people. We get wrapped up in other things. And I think what this book, Psalm, does for us is it roots us back to why we should praise. I'm going to remind you just for a moment, through Psalm 103, why exactly God deserves our praise. Did you know that God has forgiven us of our sins? <laughs> through Jesus Christ, forgiveness is here. And if this is not a big deal to you, then let me be the one to break it to you. You are a sinner. I don't care what you've done. It's pretty bad. But God's forgiven that. And that one little sin you've been rationalizing all this time, it's keeping you from God. And you know what? It's going to keep you from life. Confess. Accept the forgiveness that God has to offer. And personally, I thank God that I'm forgiven because with Him, even this morning as I'm driving to work, you see the sunrise. Oh man, the sunrise. It's like a brand new do-over. New mercies every morning that He has. I mean, that's something that deserves praise. He's forgiven our sins. He's done it for me and He can do it for you. He redeems us from death. Jesus' resurrection broke the back of death forever. And God says the future is life. The future is life. It's not death. And not only does He give us life, but He fills us and, and gives us new things. He fills my life with good things. We're blessed because 
because God is not waiting for us to fail or mess up. He's not waiting for us because he's going to get us. He's not doing that. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's slow to get angry. And he's filled with unfailing love. He loves us so much. He doesn't just forgive. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The east and the west will never meet. Ever. East. East, west. Thank you. My wife knows I'm directionally challenged, but I know east and west will never meet. That's how far he has removed our sins. Our sin will never come back on us. Do you hear that? It will never. He loves us so much. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, trust that he is good. In fact, he's so good, he's like, a, he's like a father to his children. He's tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He will never expect for us to walk alone on our own strength. He's right there with us, for he knows how weak we are. He knows it. He didn't expect us to do everything on our own. You know what? There's no bootstraps big enough for us to pull ourselves into heaven. We'll never be able to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We always will need God. And He has promised to be there forever. We're weak. We're only dust. Our days on the earth are like grass, like wildfires, flowers. We bloom. We die. The wind blows. We're gone. As though we had never been here. He knows all of this. And yet He loves us and will love us forever. In fact, not only does He love us, but David tells us in Psalm 41, get this, in Psalm 41, God delights in us. We are God's delight. How is that possible? But we are. The God of the universe delights in us. How can that not fill us with praise? It's okay to say amen. How can we keep this to ourselves here? How can we not praise God with everything that we have? And maybe it's because we haven't given everything to Him yet. Praising God with all that we are is not something we can limit to an hour in a room like this on a Sunday. I mean, what is keeping us from praising God with our whole self? And as you consider that question, I want to just give you some ideas Maybe some ways that will help us think a little bit broadly, more broadly about this. This idea of praising God with all that we are. Because to praise God with all that we are is to praise Him with our voice. It's the songs we sing, yes, that's right. But it's also the words we say. It's the conversations we have. It's the blessings we speak over others. It's the stories we tell. Do we praise God with our voice? with the words that we say. There was an article that came out a little while ago talking about how complaining rewires our brain towards a more unhealthy existence. When we complain, it rewires us to be discouraged, to be victims, to see the worst in every situation. It wires us from fully to, to not be able to fully experience joy. I wonder what what a consistent voice of praise do to our brains. How would praise to God rewire us? How would it direct us to the things of God? How could it rewire our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? 
To praise Him with all that we have is to praise Him with our body. Do we abuse our bodies? Are we selfish with them? Do we place our bodies in situations where people can benefit from what God has to offer? Do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? You know, that's what Paul says in Romans 12.1. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then what's the next part? For this is your spiritual act of worship. You know, how many times do we come in here, we're so worried about the lights or the song service or the preacher or this, we never once offer our bodies as a sacrifice to someone else. Paul says that's worship. How often do we do that? And I'm talking to myself too, folks. To praise Him with all we are is to praise Him with our attention. Not simply for this hour on Sunday, but do we give Him our attention when we're at home or on the road or at work? When we're here? Or are we in and out of this place? Quick. Could we, while we're here, praise God by paying attention to those people all around us, the people that God delights in. Because He delights in you. Could we pay attention to those people who God finds delight? People who desperately need Him. You know, this is a good place to begin right here. Right here together. So my question is, could we praise God with all that we are? Because He's worth every word. He's worth every thought, every action, every song. He is our God. He, he's our rescuer. He's our salvation and our strength. I mean, he is everything. And He gives me joy and delight. My hope is that we can consider today that that we could be people who praise Him with everything and every part of who we are and what we have. Whoever we are, however talented we may think we are, however, wherever, whoever, because God is worthy of that. He's given us reason after reason after reason to praise His holy name. In a moment, we're going to sing. And I would like us to sing with everything we have and to leave here with a larger understanding of how valuable our praise really is and who it is above all else that deserves it more than any. Verse 22. Praise the Lord. Everything He has created. Everything in all His kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Let's stand together. If you need prayer or just want to encourage, we have elders around. I will be up to the front. Please take this moment. Let's praise together. Oh, my soul.